Welcome to It's an EDRN. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the patriarchy. Specifically, how a culture steeped in male privilege creates a healthcare hierarchy in which mostly female nurses are subordinate to mostly male doctors, and why this presents a problem for everybody, including our patients. I'm your host, an EDRN, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an E. It's a D. It's an ED. It's an E. Dance for emergency. It's a D. Dance for department. It's an ED. Got erectile dysfunction. That's a nurse. Episode 14. An EDRN smashes the patriarchy. Welcome to my podcast, It's an EDRN. I am your host, an EDRN, and today we are talking about that which shall not be mentioned, that which we all know about, have seen, have experienced firsthand, have vented about at happy hours and in break rooms and maybe even in a manager's office, but rarely report formally, and that which I am talking about is doctors behaving badly. If you know, you know. And if you're a nurse, you definitely know. But before we get into all of that, and we have a lot to get into, um, if it's your first time listening, hello, I'm your host, Nadine DRN. I've been a nurse for 11 years. I've worked med surge, ICU, and then for five years, I was a nurse manager. And that's a whole thing. And there's an episode about that that you can listen to. But for the past about seven, eight months, I have returned to bedside in an emergency department, and it's been great, and I've loved it. And the doctors that I have worked with, the vast majority, as is the case most places, have been amazing. And then one or two have been not. So... Before we begin lamenting the current state of mostly white cishet male privilege that uniquely solidifies the majority of physicians in positions of power beyond scrutiny, let me just say that if you are not personally aware of the starring role that patriarchy, misogyny, and racism play in our modern medical model, then you've got a lot of catching up to do. And I recommend you get started because I do not have time (laughs) in a 25-30 minute podcast to lay it out for you. So suffice it to say, the evidence is out there, and you should go find it. And all that I will say is that what you are going to find, among so many other things, is that women are seven times more likely to be misdiagnosed when they're having a heart attack. The U.S. has the highest maternity mortality rate in the developed world, and that rate is even worse for black women. More than 90% of female doctors have faced sexism at work. And it may also explain why one woman, and likely very many more, secretly recorded her surgeon during an operation and caught them calling her a handful, making fun of her weight, and making sexually inappropriate remarks. It's why one physician wrote an op-ed in the Annals of Internal Medicine, outlining a culture of male doctors treating unconscious or incapacitated female patients with such flagrant, misogynistic, and racist disregard that the author and all of those involved in the article remain anonymous to this day. (laughs) 
And if you haven't read that, the title of that article is Our Family Secrets. And the woman who recorded her physician's name is Ethel Easter, I believe. And I will link all of these receipts in the show notes for you so that you can get started on your journey of what is going to be a very sad, sad trip, if you're not already aware. But most of us, I would say, are pretty damn aware. So let's begin with some statistics. A 2008, and yes, I know this is old, but I doubt that it's gotten better. A 2008 survey of nurses and doctors at more than 100 hospitals showed that 77% of respondents said they witnessed physicians engaging in disruptive behavior, which often meant the verbal abuse of another staff member. Additionally, the Joint Commission lays out some statistics in their bulletin about bullying. 69% of bullies are men. 57% of targets are women. The most common healthcare setting in which bullying occurs is behavioral health units, ICUs, and emergency departments. 44% of nursing staff report being bullied. Rates are vastly underreported. And targets of bullying are most typically under 40 years of age, female physicians, and women with less education who have children at home. That's all wording used by the Joint Commission. And when I say bullying... I do mean people who work with you in the hospital. We know that nurses bully nurses. I certainly was told in nursing school many moons ago, nurses eat their young. And to expect it. What I found in the level one trauma center where I started my nursing career was that that is an old trope. And that is officially anyway, not tolerated. However, officially, (laughs) neither is physicians behaving badly. And we can talk about nurse-on-nurse bullying in another episode, but the reason we're not going to concentrate on that today is because it's my podcast and I can concentrate on whatever I want to. But also, there is no, no significant power differential when we're talking about nurses to nurses. I have taken nurses to my manager's office before. I have reported nurses for poor behavior and they have been disciplined. And as you will see, as we get into this episode, that is not true for the vast majority of doctors who behave in ways nurses would never get away with. So there are a lot of statistics about nurse bullying and there are not a lot of statistics when you try to look specifically at doctors who bully nurses. In an article for the New York Times in 2011, again, I know it's an old article, but I doubt things have improved because nothing has been done. A nurse named Teresa Brown, who wrote the article, recounts an incident in which a physician disparaged her in front of a patient. After confronting him about it, the physician defended himself saying, it's a time-honored tradition. Blame the nurse when anything goes wrong. A fellow nurse of hers, also in the article, when trying to clarify an order, was told by a doctor, when you have an MD after your name, then you can talk to me. She states in the article something we already know, and that is every nurse has a story like this, and most have several. And I have several. (laughs) 
When I was a medical assistant, I had a doctor yell at me in front of a patient and tell me that I could have killed the patient because I forgot to add Zyrtec to their list of current medications they were taking. He yelled that at me in front of the patient. When I was working med surge, I had a doc literally scream in the hallway in front of an audience, I'm smart enough. <laughs> After I challenged his order of enough morphine to kill a horse for my 72-year-old patient who was very much not dying, which makes a difference. Another physician at Shift Change, same unit, began yelling at me for something I had no, I just had no idea why he was yelling at me. I just knew that this doctor came up and was like, who's the nurse for 25? And I was like, oh, that's me, because it was Shift Change. I had just gotten a report on this patient. And then he just starts yelling at me for like, God knows what. And when I realized that he was talking about something that had happened at 3 a.m., and I wasn't even there for that, and he thought he was talking to me, I was like, hey, I wasn't even here. He just continued to yell at me. And in his diatribe, he literally said, I'm not yelling at you, you understand, and then continued to yell. So <laughs> here's a pro tip. If you have to tell someone, I'm not yelling at you, you very much are yelling at them, just so you know. When I was working in the ICU, I had a physician roll his eyes at me when I told him that his intubated patient, who was riding the vent with no sedation, no analgesia for over 12 hours, was on five pressers, was most likely brain dead, and so it may not be a good idea to take them to surgery and then transfer them to the local burn center, which was his plan, because he's literally dead. I finally convinced this doc to order a perfusion study to prove my point. And it proved exactly what I was saying, that the patient was dead. That physician, after that study, proceeded to call a meeting in which he pulled me, he pulled the charge nurse, he even pulled his resident, and he had a meeting in, in like their little like room where they would record, um, the, like dictate their note, and I thought, oh, he's going to apologize. Here it is. Here it comes. <laughs> but no, he called the meeting to yell at me for challenging his authority as an attending physician. And after I filed a complaint with HR that went all the way to the CNO and the CMO, and I had to write a letter describing which stage of bullying or which category, according to the HR policy, of, of bullying and workplace intimidation I had experienced, I continued to work with this physician. And years later, he still works there, and he was promoted. So as a manager, I absorbed so many stories. <laughs> from my nurses because they would come to me with their own experiences as they happened. It happened so often I had a script. I had a script for when I called the physician. I knew that the phone call would last 10 minutes. I knew that it would take me at least three attempts to get a hold of them. I knew that they would begin by being defensive and defending themselves, and I would have to listen to that defense, which was... Oh, man. That was the hardest part, was the, the first five minutes of the call, because sometimes they'd call me honey. 
sometimes they would say things to justify themselves that were just outrageous. One physician justified his yelling at a nurse because he couldn't understand her because her accent was so thick. As though that was a problem with her. I just... (laughs) The effort it takes to turn that conversation around and bring them to the point of you need to apologize, which some of them did to their credit, but it's just so much effort. And I was a manager. There's no way as a bedside nurse that you have that kind of leverage. You just don't. And I know it's true, and so do you. Things that make me mad also is I read an article in The Guardian. Uh, The name of the article is something like my experience as an ER doc in in time of, you know, in COVID or whatever. And it was people walk in and throw their garbage at you and then leave. Anyway, an ER doctor in this article that he wrote recounts how the pandemic has escalated violent behavior from patients, including a time when he was threatened with gun violence attacked with a knife, had his arm broken from a patient grabbing him while he was trying to start an IV and having dog poop literally thrown at him. Except none of these things actually happened to him. They all, without exception, happened to nurses. Every single thing that he talked about in this article, and he didn't try to pretend they happened to him. The entire article was him recounting things he witnessed or was told about from nurses. And it made me so mad. (laughs) Because why is a physician writing this article? Why is a nurse not given this stage, this platform? Can you even imagine, if, if you're not already mad, just like go with me on this, can you even imagine an article like this, being written by a nurse who recounts exclusively terrible things that happened only to the doctors that she worked with or, or, or happened to doctors and she happened to hear about it. Can you imagine a nurse writing an article like that? No, you can't. <laughs> you literally can't. And I literally can't. And I mean that. All we seem to have is our anecdotal stories, except when the entire group of people are experiencing the same thing, it's no longer anecdote. It's a lived experience. It's a shared experience. It is our reality. It's our reality. I spoke, and this is, don't be impressed by this because just don't. I spoke at a national conference years ago when I was a nurse manager through probably an accident. I was invited to speak at this conference and I was given like 15 minutes and I was told to, I was given my topic and my topic was the fresh transfer to the, to the, uh, what are these, the ward or whatever. Cause the title was written by a physician who has no idea what nurses do. Anyway, they wanted me to talk about what doctors need to know from the nursing perspective on 
a fresh transfer like from the ICU or from the PACU to the medical surgical ward. So I put together a very nice PowerPoint and got up to do my presentation. And the audience was a mix of physicians and nurses predominantly. And then there were some respiratory therapists, some physical therapists, occupational therapists, um, some other disciplines, some case managers, uh, social workers, things like that. But the majority of the audience was nurses and doctors. And they were separated in the room. I knew exactly where the nurses were. And I knew exactly where the doctors were because I'd been to this conference before as an attendee. And, and I, I don't know why it happens, but they're segregated. <laughs> so I started my presentation, and for three minutes I talked about the fresh transfer to the medical surgical unit and what the patient needs from the physician and what the nurses need from the physician. And then, having concluded that portion of my presentation after three minutes, I seamlessly transitioned to another topic that I had decided <laughs> I wanted to talk about, and that was the nurse-physician relationship. Needless to say, I was not invited back to this conference, just spoiler alert for you. But for 13 minutes, I talked about physicians behaving badly. I talked about a hospital that had discovered such rampant bullying from physicians, specifically surgeons, that their safety rating as a result, as a direct result, plummeted. And they had to have a consulting group come in and fix everything and put cameras in their ORs. And they had to fire some physicians. This was Rhode Island Hospital. You can look this up. And I talked about how pervasive it is. And in that room where I knew those nurses were sitting, I said, raise your hand. If you have never, ever in your nursing career been yelled at by a physician. And you already know how many hands went up. You already know. Zero fucking hands. And when you have a room <laughs> of like 60, 80, maybe 100 nurses and you ask just anyone, anyone, that's not anecdote anymore. That's endemic. That is something so ingrained in our culture as nurses that we've accepted it as part of our reality and part of the job. And I don't have any answers for you. We have to survive in healthcare, and sometimes that means not reporting things, not only because nurses are often blamed when an interaction goes poorly, not only because doctors are believed over nurses when it comes down to their word against ours or their word against several of ours, but because we all know that feeling when we report something and literally nothing is done. A slap on the wrist, and then we have to continue to work with this person. Who knows? that nothing will ever happen to them for reasons that probably have to do with the idea that they generate so much revenue for the hospital that they are untouchable. And as someone who is in a leadership position and in those meetings, I can tell you 
anecdotally, I have found that that's absolutely true. And if the pandemic has taught nurses anything, it's that we are expendable. So when you go up against someone (laughs) who's indispensable and you're expendable, operating within a healthcare system that is steeped in misogyny and patriarchy, there's no winning. There's a reason every nurse you know has a story of a physician behaving badly and zero nurses you know have a story of reporting appalling behavior and that physician being fired for it. Zero nurses you know have a story like that. And fuck it, sometimes I'm just too tired to challenge the shittiness. (laughs) I got things to do and I'm tired and I'm trying to survive. And I think we all are. And now it's time for some tips and tricks. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I got nothing. I have no advice for you, really. Um, But maybe one of these tips will resonate with you. And so just in case, let's get on with it. Tip number one. Stop wasting your energy being shocked every time someone tells you a story of a physician acting like garbage. It's not shocking. And you're not shocked. It's behavior that is allowed to continue because we allow it to continue. Privilege corrupts. Absolute privilege corrupts absolutely. Tip number two. It is not your responsibility to rehabilitate garbage doctors or even call them out for their garbage behavior. You can. You certainly can. Because you are a human person and you are deserving of civility and respect. But it is not your job. You are the one being bullied. You are the one being victimized in a hierarchical system which places you very much below that of a physician. And therefore, you will not be rewarded by that system for bringing such abuses to light. Physicians need to manage the poor behavior of other physicians. And the fact that they don't needs to be their problem and not yours. Tip number three. If you are feeling bold and have energy enough for it, call out physicians directly. Be specific. When you roll your eyes at me in front of the patient, I feel like you don't respect me or the work I do. Maintaining your own dignity in those moments is the most important thing. We act with respect because we respect ourselves. We do not match the tone of the other person. You can't teach physicians to value you, and you still have value and should demonstrate that at every possible opportunity. And finally, I have one trick. Cognitive rehearsal. I may have mentioned this before, but the first time a physician is a dick to you, it's going to be a bit of a shock, and your mind will go blank. But the great thing is that it will definitely happen again. So... (laughs) When it does, you will be ready for it because cognitive rehearsal. You're going to replay that interaction in your head out loud in the shower or write it down, whatever. You're going to formulate the perfect response, and then you're going to act it out several times. And you'll be ready for next time. They may not, but you will. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and tell your nurse friends to listen. I know you have stories about physicians behaving badly, and you didn't deserve it. And you did the best you could within the system we all have to survive in. You are not the problem, and you are not responsible for bringing about the solution. Thank you for listening, and have a safe shift. It's an EDRM is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say in this podcast are not a stand-in for professional medical advice, and everything you hear from randos on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.